should have had a big glass of then. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Good evening. Today I have Simon Clark chatting to me. Hi, Simon. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, gee. Hi, Dana. How are you doing? Hello to everyone else. Uh, what would you like to know first? Jeepers, you know, lifetime of experience so far. That's up to you. Start at the beginning. Okay. Um, obviously, we're here to talk about books, writing books and publishing books. Um, back in the good old days, because I'm a grey hair, before GCSEs were invented, we had uh, O-levels and CSEs. So O-levels were for the clever people and CSEs were for like, for like me. And I basically failed everything in English. I was absolutely no good at all. Then at 17, uh, I joined the, Air, the, the Royal Air Force and worked on aircraft. And whenever you wrote anything down there, you always had to do it in like short engineering sentences. You know, this has been removed, it needs to be refitted. That was it. There's no, there's no opportunity to, to do any creative writing. So to actually publish, write and publish books um, slowly became a dream. Now, have you, you, you probably have, if you heard of a guy called Jack Canfield, chicken, yeah, chicken soup, chicken soup for the soul, and Susan Jeffers, feel the fear and do it anyway. So I don't know if you know, uh, if you've read his, his story or her story, back in the, I think this was the 70s, they both went to a ball. Um, this was very well organised, and I'd love to do these to help people out. Um, where... Come as you are when you've made it in whatever field this is. So if you want to be a footballer in 10 years' time, like American footballer, you turn up in, 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 your, in your football kit of the team that you're with. Um, if you want to be an author, you, you get a book and make a cover and you put it on and, you know, this is the book I've published and it's a million seller and whatever. And it was like creating a belief in yourself that you could do it. Well, the idea is that once you've lived it, whatever the it is, you know, some people too don't want to be film stars, some people want to be big on the stock market. You know, they have the paparazzi outside, it's just everyone's friends have turned up and, you know, they pay them a few dollars just to take pictures. But to make you feel as if you're there, because if you can feel as if you're there, you can be there. So the first book I had an idea on, uh, I got an old book, I got a cover, I got my printer, sorted something out on the, on the, on the, on the printer, on my computer. And I wrap this cover on, this book, and, and sellotape it. And you put it on the bookshelf above you, and it inspires you. And none of the first three books worked. <laughs> um, until ten and a half years ago, uh, being the sort of guy who uh, is adventurous and will take opportunities as, as they arise, I got an email asking me if I'd like to work in Toronto, in Canada. <laughs> and while I was over there, I, I realised I'd read so many self-help books that I was giving people the same advice every day at work. And I thought, can I write a book about that? So I thought, I'll have a go. And in six weeks, I wrote Self-Help, How to Get Started. Uh, and it's phenomenal. And to write a book. <laughs> uh, wanted to, always wanted to, but never really sort of believed that I could. Uh, and that was great. Uh, I paid to get that one published through a publisher, and I got 100 copies of the original book. This, this one's been redone several times. Um, 
uh, I think that cost me a thousand dollars about ten years ago, which was about eight hundred pounds, seven hundred pounds. Um, yeah, that was good, but it cost me some money. And then when I left Canada uh, after two years, I had a choice to just come back to the UK and try and find a job, or because I made some nice money over there. Uh, I said to my daughter at the time, I said, well, you can come with me or you can go back to the grandparents in England. But I want to go and trek around America for the next two, three months. Wasn't a hard decision for her. <laughs> sure, yeah. So the original plan was two months. We actually spent near to three months. And then ended up writing this. Well, two months in America, because that was the original plan. That was the blog page. This is actually my copy I've done on, on Amazon, which most of these books are, um, which we'll come on to in a second. Um and that was phenomenal. I mean, a book, <laughs> proper book, not, not, a, not a little, not a little thin book, proper one. In fact, when I got the originals done, um, I had paperbacks and hardbacks uh, to hold your own hardback book in your hand, which is fantastic. You know, you, you, you've had them at the library, you, you've used them at school, which got me on to thinking about. Originally, I started writing course notes so I could teach a course and I could write books. Um, but it became a book, as you do. Um, and the biggest thing I found is what started off by saying it's how you can help people to get started. And to help people get started is having the belief. Um, and I know that's something you do. You, you help people to, to get started with their books, don't you? Try to, yeah. Yeah, but it's um, uh, in fact, I got um, a superb uh, comment back, which I'd like to read if I may, from a lady who bought this. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of explain it quite simply. She bought two books. She bought my book and another one. I won't. I want to say who the other one is, obviously, because dummies buy that. Um, and it was how to write a novel was the other one. Sorry, a bit obvious, wasn't it? Um, and she bought mine. Well, she read the, the other book, The Dummies Buy. Um, and she, she was depressed. Because it described everything you've got to do, how, how you lay these things out, and um, all the processes you, you're supposed to go through. Was when I write a book, I just write a book. You know, different people have their own, their own techniques. And then she, but she thought, well, I bought, I bought it. So I'll read it. And she read it and she was inspired because the first third of the book is about saying to people, you can do it. You know, my I I, I haven't got a degree in English. I haven't got a, uh, A-levels in English. I haven't got O-levels in English. I don't have a GCSE or CSEs in English. I basically have nothing. And yet I published 10, 12, 15 books in total. So I can do it. Anyone can do it. <laughs> but you need to know that you can. Um, and that, that's the inspiration part that uh, um, people need. Because you can have an idea that you want to write a book and then you can think of the, the enormity of it. You know, some people will get spreadsheets and plan out all the characters and the plot. And if that's the way they like to do it, and if, that's, if that works for them, that's fantastic. But the technique I basically use normally is when I'm driving to work or driving home or sat at work, you run a scene of a book in your head and you can play around with the scene however you like and, you know, how people talk to each other, things they say. And then at lunchtime, I'd write it down. And half an hour lunch at work, 
including eating sandwiches. I could write a thousand words. Well, a six a sixty thousand word book, you know, two three months down the line, you got your first draft, uh, and it it can be that simple. So, if anyone watching this is thinking about writing, um, would really like to have their own book, then that's the way to get started. It doesn't matter what you write to start off with. You might publish that one. You might not. But it's, it's how you get get started to do something. Um, we should achieve it. Um, and I know we've spoken beforehand about publishing. Uh, so to publish books onto Amazon, uh, there used to be a thing called um, Create Space. Um, uh, and basically, you publish your book on Create Space and then created your book on KDP, uh, Kindle Direct Publishing. And I think Amazon got to the point of thinking, we've got two different websites that do the same thing. Um, so now you, you open up Kindle Direct Publishing, KDP, um, uh, and start filling the details in. You've got your book that you've written in, in Word uh, that, you've, that you've edited for the best way that you can. You upload that. You can even create your cover on there if you haven't got a cover available. And within a few days, it's published on Amazon and you can make money out of it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Go on then. What would you like to ask me? <laughs> um, you've answered some of the questions that I start off with, so. That's <laughs> oh, okay. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It makes life easy for me. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you've looking um, at all the books you've published. You've written quite a variety. Is there any that are favourites? Uh, after I'd finished the How to Write Your Book book, uh, I started, I thought, could I write a novel? Because everything I'd written up to that point was factual. You know, um, self-help, how to get started, you know, two months in America, how to write publish books for free. It's all factual, but could, could I write a novel? Well, basically getting self-inspired by reading me own books, it's like, well, of course I can. Don't know what to do, but of course I can. So I just started writing. Just came up with a few ideas, started writing. I did a little piece about the same time I did my first book. And I called the main character Hero. Really thought about that one, didn't I? Um, anyway, I eventually used that piece in my first um, Slick Mona book. Which I got another one. That, that was part of the same series. Uh, so I've got four Slick Mona adventures. Slick Mona, I love the name. Um, and it's actually uh, an anagram of Simon Clark. <laughs> if you need character names for a book and you can't think of anything, or if you have a friend that you want to put in a book, there are websites that will turn any names or any words you want into anagrams. So I put my name in, um, and you, you come up with like 50 different names, and some work and some don't work. And one of them is Slick Mona, and I'm thinking, is Mona a real surname? In a, a consensus in America in 1921, there's one family with a surname Mona. <laughs> for me. Um, yeah. Um, and do you just want to tell everyone what uh, different genres you do write in? Ooh. So I've covered travel and transport with me two months in America. 
I would like to write an, a second self-help book um, because some of the things that happened to me before I wrote that one were really interesting. I got a, a job as a junior manager while in the UK and I thought I really want a car that like a junior manager would buy. And I didn't know what I was going to buy. Um, and this picture of, of a big seven series BMW just popped into my mind. And when I searched on Autotrader, I managed to find one at a price that would be would be okay for me. Three weeks later, it was on my driveway. And then because I've worked in aircraft design for, at that point, about, uh, probably about 10 years, I thought, I've got experience on wings. I worked on big aircraft. I worked on fighter jets. Um, I'd really love to do a business jet, and I'd love to do a contract abroad somewhere. Six weeks later, that email came through for um, the calendar. In fact, another, another good one. When I was over there, I got a, a, a letter about a tax bill, sort of three and a half thousand pounds. And I thought, I haven't got that. <laughs> anyway, when I, when I phoned up to try and arrange to start making payments, it turns out that the tax bill I'd paid a couple of years before, uh, I'd paid to the wrong account. So they'd actually already got the money. They just had to move it across accounts. I'd already paid it. So, you know, think positive in your life and, and it can change it. Um, so other ones are right, which are uh, factual. I've got this will blow your socks off. And this will blow your socks off too, T-O-O. It will as well. Um, now, they're, they're factual ones again, but they are... Uh, about aliens, ancient and advanced humans, and Bigfoot. So I enjoy doing the, the research. Uh, and if anyone, if anyone actually reads the first book, Bill, I've had some comments saying it's a bit all over the place. So I went, yeah, but that's what happened. <laughs> you know, this, this is how the journey changed. You start off looking for one thing, it, it pops something else up, and you go on that journey, and then and that pops something else up, and then takes you to something completely different. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful. For me personally, I enjoy that. Other people are driving nuts, which is absolutely fine. Um, we have the Mars Traveler Handbook. Uh, if you're going to live on Mars, what do you need? Because, uh, you know, Elon Musk is building a big rocket, which is hopefully going to get to Mars in the next couple of years. So if you're living inside the habitat, what do we need? What's the air going to be like? What happens with the water? What food do we need? And it goes into all those sorts of things. Um, a lot of factual books. Electric cars, renewable energy. Um, again, it's factual research. Something I'm interested in. Uh, one I haven't got here. I've got um, my daughter has a collection of black cats. Uh, when she lived here, she had three black cats. And since moving in with a boyfriend, she now has five. So we have three black cats. Uh, we're living in a 15th century farmhouse in the south end of the Lake District because I was working nearby. And now we're out in the countryside, you could really start to see the different character characteristics of the of the cats. And I thought, I could, could I write about them? Of course I can. So I have a book called uh, Frankie, Lola and Bella, the Three Black Cats. And it's their adventures around, around the farm. You know, you're watching them, they stalking animals, or I mean, this farm was just incredible. We didn't have a back garden, we had a meadow. And through the meadow was a, was a stream with a little mini waterfall. Um, so you see them chasing butterflies around, and you, in the field next door, there's lambs, and, and you know, 
would the cats talk to the lambs? Well, in the story, they would. And you just you just let your imagination go. And the um, the two the two, two younger ones and, and, and like an old mate. The two younger ones, you know, they've never seen snow before. They've never seen pheasants before, and all sorts of things. And it, it, again, it, it's just fun to do. You come up with like a an idea for a bit of a story. And I've done that before, where you're thinking. Two guys that come out the door, da, 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 into the car, round the airport. And you're thinking, you know, paragraph, and that'll be about it. And before you know it, you've written two pages. Because the conversation's ebbed and flow. If you're not too tied into what you have to do, just let the conversation flow, which is wonderful. Um, so these two books, um, I wrote and published this myself originally. But the year before, last 2019, uh, I sent the manuscript off to a publisher um, and they published it for me. I mean, it, it, they sent me, I think it's 25 copies in gold. If you buy it online, it's green and brown. It's a little bit, colored, a little bit different in colour. Um, but these did cost me to do. The great thing with uh, publisher own books on Amazon, uh, like this one, which is the latest one in the series, Unleashing the Landshark, is the fact that to publish it, it's free. If you want your own copy, you've got to buy it, but it's five pounds. Whereas to get this one professionally edited, professionally published, and moving it on, it costs me fifteen hundred pounds. If you haven't got fifteen hundred pounds, you know, if you look, <laughs> there are differences, but it's not fifteen hundred pounds worth of difference in my mind, anyway. So yeah, um, would I write books on other things? Absolutely. I've never written one of the paranormal yet. Yeah, that would be interesting. Um, yeah. What's the most interesting thing you found doing research for your books? That's a good one. Most interesting thing I found. Oof. Um, I think one of the ones, and I know a little bit about this before, and it, and it goes across two of the books really, is that we know there's no life on Mars, don't we? But in the 1970s, they found life on Mars. They found bacterial life. The, there's two Viking rovers landed on Mars, and they're about a couple of thousand kilometers apart. And of the three experiments on board, two said there wasn't any life. And the third one, which we've fully authorized beforehand, if we get these signs, it proves this. And if we, don't, if we get those signs, it proves it. Yeah, they came back positive, both of them. There's life on Mars, bacterial life. And probably the third book in the Blowing Socks Off series, which I'm part through uh, writing, um, you sort of realise, oh, bless, you realise that, uh, oh, is it good? That the atmosphere, you know, life on Earth started two and a half, three billion years ago. But you realise that Earth at the time had a carbon dioxide atmosphere. And bacteria was the only thing on Earth for the first two and a half billion years. Well, apart from the lower atmosphere, that's exactly what's happening on Mars. But most places won't actually state that. Most places will sort of bypass the whole CO2 atmosphere and they'll bypass the, um, uh, the fact that these experiments actually proved back in the 70s that there, that was microbial life on Mars. And that 
really blew my socks off. <laughs> oh, good day for a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I suppose, uh, speaking of names of books, pick what, I mean, when you start writing, pick any name that you want. It's only a working title. Uh, the, um, my first um, Slick Mona book, I'm, I'm struggling here because originally it was called uh, Avengers in, no, Avengers Dangerous to this one. Right. The first one was Breakfast in Baghdad. And then I rechanged it. It's not Avengers Dangerous. What is it? Um, so I wrote the first one, wrote the second one, did the third one a couple of years later. And then after I've written the second one, I, somebody said to me at work, he said, you know about Nano Rhymo? I went, I don't even know how to say it, never mind what it is. This is <laughs> the National, I mean, you might correct me this, National Writer Book in a Month, November or something. That's that's the whole sort of key. Yeah. You got from the 1st of November to the end of the month to write a first rough 50,000-word draft of a book. And that's basically what I did with this one. So and I thought, what book should I write? And I thought, well, I've got book one on book two, but I could do a prequel. Because I know where he lives, I know his backstory, but I could write his backstory because in, in my first book, he was already ex-forces. So how did he join the force and what went on? So I thought, well, I've got most of that in my head already. So let's have a go. And that's literally what I produced. So, and again, if, if somebody really wants to challenge, if you've written bits and pieces previously, then um, that's the challenge to have a go at. You get put into a group, uh, you email people in your group, you can do local meetups, and everyone updates the website every every day to show how many words they've written. And you help each other along. That's the idea. All right then, go on, what else you got for me? If you were to be a character in any of your books, which book would you choose? Yes, I heard you do this one to somebody else the other day, and I've already got um, In the first Slick Mona book, he goes to Area 51, which is the big American, yeah, big American spy plane research place. And he meets there a guy called Simon, uh, an amateur English inventor who does scientific projects in his shed. He's quite pasty looking and is a bit chunky. <laughs> it's me! Um, there was actually in Adventure to Danger, the third one I wrote, which is now the prequel. So I wrote it uh, where, I work, where I work now. And I said to one of the ladies at work, I said, if you could be a character in a book, what would character would you like to be? And she went, oh, I don't know, sort of FBI, CIA, Scotland Art, yeah, something like So I wrote her into the book. When the book came out, she bought several copies. And about three days later, a bottle of... Um, uh, Jack Daniels turned up on my desk. It's in the book. In the character in the book, I write the character that drinks Jack Daniels, and, and so she obviously read that. Loved how I sort of portrayed her. Loved the book anyway, and uh, bought me a bottle of Jack Daniels. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I don't like Jack Daniels. <laughs> so in the next book, he, he drinks gin. <laughs> Bombay Sapphire, to be specific. But there you go. Yes. Back if to you. you if you were to um, be a murderer in a book, uh, how would you kill your victims? 
another good question. I've I've tried to um, I've tried to sort of in my head create the basics of a, of a murder mystery. I've not been very successful. Um, so I've never really got to the murder stage. But the one was was what I was I was writing. Uh, in the First World War, a German pilot known as the Red Baron was very successful. Uh, I think he was from sort of uh, quite well-to-do culture uh, within the German, uh, German Germany at the time. So if all of the um, things that were worthwhile having, all, all the treasures, the family treasures, were in a house in America, then somebody might try to steal them. That's about as far as I got. <laughs> so how would I kill them? I don't know. Um, frozen peas on the stairs? No. Yeah, it would have to be imaginative. Um, but I'd like to put a twist in the book. I, I thought of one the other day where... Um, Five, five, five books, the start of the first book, he opens the door and the smoke slowly dissipates. And the, the first book finishes and, and it's a whole book and, you know, you read it through. And then the second one starts off after the first one's finished and it goes on. But then as they start looking back in book five, it's the fact that the character that you're writing about, it shot the gun. And then just as he opened, the smoke was coming out of the barrel. So you've already got what happened in the first paragraph of the book, but nobody realises it. Well, how to kill them? I don't know. <laughs> um, are you a big reader? Sorry? Oh, are reader. you a big reader? No. Um, I have been in the past. I really have been in the past. Um, about four or five years ago, somewhere. I... Yeah, it'd be like a book a month, two or three books a month sometimes. Uh, I'd quite happy to just buy them, pile them up and just crack through them. But about four or five years ago, I started, I fell off a helicopter when I was in the Air Force. Now, unfortunately, the helicopter I fell off was a Chinook, so it was quite a fall. And in recent years, the injury started playing up, so I take, I take quite strong painkillers. Um, and I think it, it just makes me dopey when I go to bed. So I tend to not read as much, which is such a shame. But Go on holiday, oh yeah, sit by the pool, you know, either a cocktail or some beers or gin and tonic, and uh, oh, I'll devour book after book after book. Absolutely, yeah. But no, I don't read as much as I should because you do need constant input. Yeah. Um, and who are your literary heroes? The Slick Murder Adventures were based on... Um, Oh, yeah. Um, I keep thinking Jack Canfield. It's not flipping Jack T, but he does what it was. Clive Cussler, which yeah. one of your interviewers did, uh, I was watching the other day. Clive Cussler and Lee Childs. So they're both very good books. I've read a lot of both of them. Clive Cussler tends to repeat a lot of what he, anyway. But the easy reading, high adventure, on your toast type books, I thought they're the sort of books that I really want to write for me. And, and again, that's part of the thing. It's write a book that you want to read. 
that you hope other people like as well. Um, and if you look at the backstories for the two, so Lee Charles was a, I think he worked for the BBC in Manchester. And he got made redundant. Uh, and I think he had enough money to go to, I think went to New York. I started writing these, these stories about an ex US, it wasn't Marines, obviously Marines, is an MP. Uh, but, you know, Lee's got no military background. So everything was all, all researched. And his books are so popular. And um, I think uh, Clive Cushley, he'd been writing for about 10 years. He even quit a job he was doing to work in a surf shop for about a year just to interact with people and, you know, meet characters and talk to people because the more, more people you talk to, the more characters that you've seen, you can integrate in your books as well. So, yeah, Lee Child and Clive Cushley, yeah. Awesome. And um, who would you fanboy over if you met them? Would it be them too? Or is there someone bigger that you would go, go oh. silly over? Oh, what? Just author-wise, although he's an author. Tony Robbins. The uh, for anyone who doesn't know, he's a big, a big self-help guru. You could just sit and listen to this guy for, for two or three hours and the day would just pass by. Um, yeah, I could just sit there and listen to him. He's just so motivational, inspirational. He's just, he's just fantastic. Yes. What's been your favourite moment so far being an author? There was uh, a couple of them. One was when the lady emailed me um, about how me help, uh, how to write the book that changed her life. Uh, and I've, I've been in contact with a few people about that. Uh, if someone's writing a book, um, I'm quite happy to email the, the, the book to them, you know. I'd like to make a fortune out of this, we all would. But if I can help a fellow author with their book, just get them inspired, you know, that really helps. But when I've written my first self-help book, uh, I've been in this, I was, I was still in Canada. I dropped a book off to a framing company uh, to frame it. Your first book is, is, is the best, worst book you're ever going to do. It'll be the worst book because when you read it a couple of years later, there's so many mistakes, so many things you could have done. That's fine. But it's your best ever book, book because it's the first one you wrote. Anyway, so I was getting that framed and then I was in a, uh, it's like a kitchenware shop uh, next door, next door two. And I was chatting to the lady on the on the till, um, just chatting away. And I said, I dropped a book off to, uh, to, to be framed. And we were chatting about that. Anyway, I, I nipped home about 10 minutes, came back and gave her a copy of the book. I went in the following week to see if she started reading it. And the manager came up to me, just I'm just browsing around trying to see what this, this lady is. And she said, oh, can I help you? I said, no, I, I was just trying to. Oh, she says, you're that author. <laughs> it just lifts you off your toes. Or when, uh, you know, when you get book sales with um, Create Space, the original uh, Amazon book publishing, you had to sell a hundred euros, a hundred dollars, or a hundred pounds worth of books before they sent you the check. Before they, the, I think if you're if you're in America, you could do it electronic, but they didn't do it at the time over here. So to get a check through for a hundred and something pounds, maybe three or four months, or or, or even longer, uh, so you get a list of all the books that have been sold and what you got for each one, and then a check on the front from Amazon, and then 
you trot off the bank and you present your cheque. That's what books are published. Or even on uh, Create Space because you, on uh, KDP, you get a back office. You can see who's been uh, who's been buying your books or who's been reading your books. So you can spy people as they read, which is really good. But you know, some days you can sell like two or three books, and it's like, oh, fantastic! So make a chart, make a chart in Excel, all the books that you sold, how much you're making, and, and what have you, uh, and keep writing it. And you just never know when. You just never know when you're going to have a um, a J.K. Rowling moment. You know, she'd been so unsuccessful until she sent her uh, a part of book off to an agent. He didn't want to read it, so passed it on to his daughter. Uh, she read it, when, when do I get the rest? <laughs> and that's it, you know, bang. Oh, oh, wait, you know, because he was so enthused with it. You know, he got it to a publisher, and obviously, we all know about the, fact that the little lad called Harry. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, you just never know. Yeah. Have you ever killed anyone off in your books that you've disliked along the way? I've killed off two. Love them both. One has four legs and is furry. And um, un unleashing the land shark. If you have a military dog that we've all seen these attack dogs well apparently they're sort of like two types and they there's the dogs that will go and bite someone and drop them and then release when you say to release and there's other ones that sink the teeth in as far as they can and don't let go until you drag them off forcefully they're nicknamed land sharks now I know that because I there's something on the radio middle of last year and after the first sort of wave of the pandemic um, and I came across a thing called hero pause Hero pause, when military dogs retire at three, four years old, what do you do with them? And what this what this charity does, uh, it helps to uh, rehabilitate them. So they have, because these things have lived in, you know, steel cages and boxes all their lives. They've, they've not really, you know, they're always on training or you're always on mission. There's no there's no home life. You, you don't take this home overnight time. They just live in a cage. So they've not been domesticated. So these hero paws, they, uh, they have like a, an apartment that you can take them to. They'll, they'll sit the dog in it for about 20 minutes and then they'll take it back and bring it back for an hour. And in fact, the army started doing this as well. Um, but then you've then got to get them on to, out into the civilian world, into the sort of, uh, into the new homes. Uh, and because they are ex-military dog, ex dogs, um, you know, they need some looking after. So hero paws helps them out. So when I wrote this, and again, you can set your own prices within um, uh, Kindle Dark Publishing, KDP. Um, so what I, what I did with this one and what I did with the cat one, instead of, I, I generally go for like a pound profit. On this one and the cat one, I go for two pounds profit. And so for every one of these that's sold, one pound goes to Hero Paws. Uh, and then for the, the three black cats, one pound of the two pounds goes to my local RSPCA centre where I got the original cat from. So, anyone wants to help, help them or help the RSPCA, you know, there. Um, yeah. But yeah, I killed off a, a, a lovely character, but the, yeah, I will pre-warn you. In this one, and when my mum read it, she said she had tears falling off her chin. 
<laughs> when you can really drag people in and get the emotions going, then yeah, absolutely love it. Yeah, I'm not reading that one then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that one on the uh, Adventures, uh, Adventures Above the Clouds. That was the first Slick Mona book, the title it's got now. And then Adventures of This World and Others. Yeah, that's that's when I kill the lady off. And that one, I think just about everyone that I know that's read that, that that's how I'm going. In fact, every, every time I re-edit those two books in those areas, it's difficult because I'm in flood of tears. I know what's going to happen. I know how it's going to happen. But the emotion is so strong that as you read it, you just... Just a big softy. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so what do you like to do when you're not writing? Um... What I would like to be able to do um, is walking and scuba diving. I absolutely love scuba diving. Um, unfortunately, I had to give that up about three years ago when my back injury really, really stopped me from doing it. You know, when you, you can't lift things and you can't walk very far, you know, get your scuba gear out of the back of the car uh, and then walking with the car into the pool, setting up and then getting in and out and roundabout and back out again. I just couldn't manage it. So that's what that's what I like to be able to do. Uh, and then last year, I, I had quite a, I say a badish case of, of COVID. I was in hospital for a few days. But I it makes me drowsy every afternoon. I have to have like a couple of hours of kip. So that's all really, you know, by the time you, you finish work, you have a kip, you get up, you have your dinner, you've got two hours telly, and then it's bedtime. Um, yeah, unfortunately at the moment, a um, couple, couple of no hips and, and a back operation, I'll, and I should be... Phew, Back on it again. Just make do with what you can do. Apart from the model train set. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently during uh, the first COVID lockdown, uh, all the guys my age went, I had a train set when I was young. What can I do now? I'm off work for several months. Oh, I built a train set because it just went exponential. It was awesome. Yes. If you were able to travel to any periods in time either forward or backwards where would you go oh forwards to the day that the aliens will land and could take us on a, on a flight around the solar system yeah especially after the announcement yesterday in america when they sort of came out with some stuff and sort of didn't but there, there was enough sort of yeah, these things flying around in our sky are real. Is the sort of the short term, but yeah. So you don't think they're going to kill us off and take over? Then they're just going to take us off somewhere. I don't think so. Hopefully not. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we the... are just useless and destroy everything. And we were created by them, which goes back to um, ancient advanced humans. How we were created. Uh, from the humanoids that were here at the time. I mean, this is going way off track. If people don't like this, that's fine. Uh, but the we were basically created by alien species. <laughs> I'll leave that one there. If anyone wants to get in touch, they can get in touch. Or read blow socks off. T-O-O. -O. All my um, books, quick self-promotion, um, I have a Facebook page, Simon Amazing Clark, because that's the name I used on my original self-help book, because it's nice to have a, a bit of a tag when you're like a self-help guru. So Simon Amazing Clark on Facebook, go in the shop, all the books are there. 
Um, now, do we want to mention the other genre that's had to do, or have you got some <laughs> other questions first? Well, you still write them, so you may as well uh, tell everyone everything while you're here. <laughs> okay. Um, a few years oh, before before I get started, if you are of a sensitive nature, if you're not very open-minded, you, you might want well to stop the interview now. And thank you very much for watching. Because a number of years ago, I mean, one of the reasons I wrote the uh, Blowing Socks Off book about aliens was I saw, I saw an article somewhere that said that when it's made public knowledge that aliens are real and, you know, introduced them on TV, then anyone who has a book on aliens is going to become a millionaire. Because everyone's going to want to know everything that's going off. And I thought, I'll write that. And then a few years later, uh, I came across, there was, um, I think this was on YouTube, and this lady was making, making a very nice living from home, writing short books. Okay, so how many how many books do you write a year? Oh, uh, 100, 150 to 200. So they can't be very big books. I mean, you're only talking like a chapter. Yeah, so and what, what, what topic are they on? Erotica. She's making a living writing short e-books on erotica. So I thought I'd never go. <laughs> so the first book that I wrote uh, as a book book was one called, and again, if you've got sensitive ears, please turn off now. The first one was called The Little Book, Little book of Shagging. Doesn't take an awful lot to work out what that's about. Um, and it's just, in fact, I've not read it in years. I don't even know if I've got a copy. Uh, this must have been about six, seven years ago that I published that. And then since then, I started doing just the e-books. Once the two websites became the one, and it was so easy to just do e-books. So you write a five to 15 page story uh, on erotica slash porn, depends what you want to do, whether you want to keep your vanilla or go somewhere else with it, you absolutely can do. Um, and then, so I have a, another Facebook page, uh, which is called Roger A. Brown. And all the ebooks and books are listed under that. And they're all, again, still on Amazon. And they're flipping popular. <laughs> a lot of people read them. Um, don't get so many sales. And uh, I've got a collection of the, of the e-books and put them together in a, in a book book called uh, Another Notch on His Bedpost. Uh, and that's about, that's that, that, that's fairly popular. But every month, I mean, well, some months is like 30, 40 of these uh, e-books get read. Now, you don't get paid a lot when people read your e-book online or through, through, through Kindle. But you get pennies. But if you get 30 read in a month, you know, it all starts adding up. You get 30 of them, and then you get, you know, another half a dozen e-books. But it uh, depends what you've got them up at. There might be 30 pence to a pound, whatever. And then if you get another half a dozen books as well, you know, before you know it, you've got, you know, you've got 20, 30 pounds coming in, which doesn't sound a lot, but it helps. And you just never know when they're going to go. So, yeah, I write lucky books. <laughs> much, much to the consternation of my mother. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Although, having said that, I was, I was doing a book fair in Manchester a couple of years ago. And uh, just know, I'll lend you this. I'll show you this little teddy bear. Because it, it was a it was a book fair stroke stroke erotica 
I shouldn't say stroke, should I? Anyway, um, I just give me this, this little teddy bear. It's like, uh, and it's in like a little bondage suit. And you're thinking, okay, that's fine. And she went, just lift the front up. And, and this thing, I can't remember what it's got on the front. It's like a little like apron thing. And you lift it up and it's got a willy. <laughs> she said, I can't, I'm looking at her thinking, like, where the heck did you get this from? Hang on. Um, where did you get this from? And she said, I can't remember who it was, but a friend sent it to her for unknown reason. And uh, so, yeah, so I've got people coming around, looking at the books, looking at the e-book, or not the e-book, but look, looking at details and the other books. And then you've got a teddy bear. And yeah, just have a look at it. Oh, <laughs> it's great. It, it's 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 a way of it's just a different way of expressing yourself. You can do research on uh, on aliens and Bigfoot and whatever else you want, electric cars or cats or or what have you. Or you can do research on sex. It's great. Yeah, well, variety and everything. Yeah, why not? <laughs> And there's, and there's no harm in it. Um, Legally-wise, uh, on... Yeah. Legally-wise, anything you put into a book that doesn't have any pictures is just a book. So if anyone does find to write in... <laughs> generally, the, 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 the comment goes, ladies write erotica and men write porn. Anyway, that's fine. But if, if anyone fancies writing those types of books, then... Uh, you are asked through the KDP process, is it suitable for children? And you put no. And then when you select the categories it goes into, you can just put it in erotica. That's fine. Um, so as long as it's just written word and there's no pictures or diagrams, uh, then it, it's just a book and you can actually do that. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. And apparently some of our stories are really good, so I've been told. Um, who is your first celebrity crush? I may as well ask you. I heard this one the other day. Mine would have to be Leslie Judd. Who? Do you know who she is? Baby, I know the name. It's Blue Peter, right? Yeah, back in the uh, mid 70s, mid, mid to late 70s. She's only on like three or four years. But yeah, it was Peter Purvis, uh, John Noakes, and Leslie Judd. Yeah, oh, yeah. Or uh, whatever her name is off Tiz was. Can't think of who she was. Yeah. Yeah, fast, didn't I? <laughs> that was before my time. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think Tiz was finished about eighty-two. Year before I was born, then. There you go. There you go. You were on the Air Force then, when you when you were born, eighty-three. Yeah. And the year seatbelts came into law. One of the best years of music as well, I think. <laughs> I can't remember them coming into law because we all wore them anyway in our family. Uh, but the music side, absolutely, absolutely, early eighties, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know that's what I listened to, and that's the year I was born. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> music now's rubbish. <laughs> um, what's your most treasured possession? Yeah. The cars were crap, but uh, at least the music was awesome. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, what's your most treasured possession? Oh, I've got a piece of coal from the Titanic. I was in um, 
were in Florida and there was a Titanic exhibition on. So when they've been down and they brought up plates and pots and, and other artifacts, what I mean, they, they bring up some coal and they get this coal, they crush it. So you've got this like tiny little, it's not about $20, but you're like, whoa, tiny little piece of, of coal. But my favourite possession I don't have, uh, which sounds really strange, but in 1990, well, 1990 was the 50th anniversary of Battle of Britain. I was in the Air Force at the time, and I was on a huge parade down, down in London. Uh, we set up outside Buckingham Palace, and um, Queen came out, she inspected us, and then we did the, the old march, march past. So you're carrying your rifle, you've got your bayonet on, you're in your full number one uniforms, and you're just feeling awesome. So I got myself a new cap badge, and I took the old one off, uh, and I gave it to my mum, and she's got it mounted now. Um, so that's probably... Best possession I sort of know of, but it's not mine. <laughs> and I've got, as part of my uh, space love thing, these are actually uh, mod, um, what do you call them? Models of. So these are the same sort of type of switches that you use in Apollo. So as I have a, a space news channel, I've got I've got model rockets, and I've got the switches that are Apollo-like. So, uh, yeah. Tell us one thing that no one or someone would be surprised to know about you. Now you've told us all that. <laughs> right. I'm just going to move you around a little bit because me, um, I've just had a notification that the battery's getting low. So pardon me. That'll reach. <laughs> Excuse me a second. Right, so you have to ask me that one again, I'm sorry. What's the one Tell thing that's going to be what? One thing people would surprise, be surprised to know about you. Oh, I'm caring. Um, <laughs> what people would be surprised to know about me? Well, sometimes people are quite surprised to find out that uh, uh, I've got a lot of time flying. I was, I was doing a private pilot's licence a few years ago. Um, but then I stopped. I, I got about three hours worth of flying solo, which was, which was awesome. But uh, yeah, not so many people know that. Yeah, uh, uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll do. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I don't think I have any more questions for you, unless you think there's anything you haven't told us about. Um. Not really. Uh, oh, I suppose the, the one thing we haven't covered is how we actually got in touch to start off with, because I have a, uh, a Facebook page. Um, it's something like UK authors and organisers. Now, the idea is if you've got a book published uh, and you want to go to a book signing, um, people who are setting up book signings that need authors, which is what, what you've got as well, um, they can look on they can join this Facebook page. As long as you either want to organise um, book signings in the UK or you're an author in the UK or you've travelled to the UK, then I'll let people join. Um, and that's when you mentioned that you're looking at um, or you've already set up or you know of the um, the book signing that you're doing next year. 
which is the Stoke on Trent? Stoke on Trent, yeah, Tales on Trent. Tales on Trent, yeah, uh, in Stoke. Is it in Stoke? Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, you can put that advert on this Facebook page, and then other authors, I think there's nearly 300 people registered on there so far, and it's something they fancy going to go into, they get in touch, but it's just a way of um, getting people together. You know, you have a great you have a great Facebook page where you put the interviews on, your interviews on YouTube, um, you help. I mean, I, I put my book on the other day, which is awesome. But my Facebook page isn't for that. People try that. They'll try to tie the book, and I sell them several times, and I just clear them off. It's there. If you want to do a book signing, or if you want to ask questions about book signings, you know, I want to do a book What do I need to bring? You know, your first-time author, what do you need to bring? You know, just ask anyone on there, or just put a post on. People give you ideas. Uh, to be honest, you don't need a lot. Just bring yourself some enthusiasm in your book. Uh, cashed in, methods of pain. Anyway, yeah, there's a few things, but you know, it's... But yeah, so, yes, I've not registered yet, but if you took your um, uh, your Stoke book signing on the um, uh, on the other Facebook page, I shall, uh, I shall get registered. I know there's full details on and phone someone to get a cheap room and what have you. So yeah, it's really good. Done very well on that. So, uh, so yeah. No, I, I can't think of anything else. Yes, I think I've frightened most people off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you haven't. Um, so do you want to tell everyone where they can find out more about you and um, where they can get your books? Just remind them. Yes, absolutely. So they're all available on Amazon. Uh, all my ordinary books, as I call them, and they're my, my, uh, my erotic books. So go to Facebook. Go to Simon Amazing Clark. Well, that's Clark with an E. Uh, although I'm sure the, the Amazing will get you there. Uh, and in the shop, all the books are in there and they're all linked back to Amazon. Uh, and then for the erotic books, uh, it's Roger A. Brown. Um, and then um, that's how you can, you can you can buy them or read them. Yeah, thank you. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you.